Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Whoa. Another week. Another... Another week in this another world. Another week of, in this world, <laughs> talking to Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited for this episode, Kate. Because um, we got Duncan Fregredo again back. Uh, He's so good. We're finishing up the the last storyline of, of three for the free comic book day issue from tw- 2008. Such uh, a good free comic book day. I want yeah. this one. <laughs> yeah, if you if you were actively uh, looking for comics in 2008, and unlike me who was transitioning at the time from getting ready for to move from Utah to to LA who sort of had to like stop paying attention to comic books altogether at that time and definitely fell out on a lot of stuff, Hellboy included. Um, If you were actively like getting issues, lucky for you, you got this one because it's pretty great. It's really great. But yeah, but before we can get to this great issue that I'm excited to, um, to discuss on the episode, The Mole, we got two segments for you before we can get to that. And our first one is one that we can't do without all of our listeners out there that choose to email us. It's, oh boy, email. Great. This one comes from Dan, who's also known as on Instagram, and you should definitely check him out, everybody, is sci-fi underscore models underscore and underscore stuff. Sci-fi models and stuff. Um, hopefully I got that exactly right. And I did. Yes. <laughs> um. His last post was from November 8th, where he made like a little model uh, tank, which is awesome. But you can definitely check out his bust work of uh, the Hellboy and Abe and um, Cronin, Cronin from uh, the Guillermo del Toro uh, movies. His work is, his model work is incredible. So definitely check him out, everybody. Again, that is sci-fi underscore models underscore and underscore stuff. But he sent us a great little email. His email says, hey, guys. Been a minute since I wrote into you guys. And first, I wanted to take just a second to thank you for keeping the pod going constantly over the last few months. We're, we're really, we're finally getting into the really good stuff of BPRD. And I'm looking forward to you taking a hard look at some of the Hell on Earth series. That definitely will be a ways away for us in the BPRD 1946 to 48. I think you might have already covered some of that. I don't know. BPRD, vampire, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so first <laughs> off, we definitely uh, um, have covered the not, the first part of of the that series of 1946. And I just want to reiterate for you and everybody out there, Dan, that we loved 1946. <laughs> it, it was so, so good. Yeah, we, we easily, it became one of our uh, absolute top. Re-listen to that uh, to hear our praise, all three episodes, because we love it. Uh, Dysart has definitely become, uh, I think, I, I, I can only speak for myself, Kate can agree to this or not, but Dysart has quickly become a, a favorite writer of mine. Um, I just think he is solid. <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah, I need to go out of my way and actually pick up some stuff that's not in the Hellboy universe of his, just so I can feast upon more of his words. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Uh, and then he continues and says, so I've got a recommendation for you guys. I recently picked up copies of the Art of Hellboy film. It's only the um, Guillermo del Toro movies, thankfully, that were put out by Dark Horse several years ago. 
They all feature a lot of Mignola concept art, as well as really detailed explanations of Guillermo del Toro's intent for certain scenes. It also illuminates the friendship between Guillermo del Toro and Mignola, which seems pretty special. Um, and then he says, I know you're kind of agnostic towards the movies, but it gave me a greater appreciation towards them. Um, I would, I, I want to, I want to address that real quick. I think I may be the agnostic. Kate is a huge fan. <laughs> I do like them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want to clump us in there together because I respect the movies because I am a, a big Guillermo del Toro fan. I think he is forever going to be one of the, the best filmmakers in history. Yeah. They'll, they'll study. They have already, if they haven't already, they're studying his stuff. If you're a filmmaker, you know what I mean? Totally. I just, I'm a little nerd baby boy that complains about <laughs> things that diverge from what I love about the comics. So that's, <laughs> but totally Kate fair. is definitely a fan. And I mean, yeah, it was my first encounter with Hellboy. So it's always going to be, I'm always going to hold it in high regard. And I still like it. I still like those movies. And I think, and again, I, I still, I, I mean, I don't want this to become another episode about the, <laughs> about it, but <laughs> I still think Ron Perlman was perfect casting. Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think the design is clean and great. Guillermo is always good at that. I, I, I'm very curious. I, I haven't heard any interviews ever with Guillermo that are in a lot of detail. I should try to find some. I'd love to hear about more so like the team behind him. Because I'm very curious, like, who his production designer is, if he has somebody he consistently works with. Because he feels like somebody that has such a vision that I think you would probably, once you found somebody that can sort of, like, not do exactly what you want. Because I don't think you should have anybody that's just a, you know, like a minion that just does. But somebody that, like, yeah, like works with, with you. him very well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious who that is for him. He also he says, here's an Amazon link, but I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. So I looked up the link and it's like, it's definitely out of print. I think we'll have to do a little, I, I, I would love to do a little more research because I was saying, Kate, if we could get our hands on these books, I was like, if we can actually get our hands on these books, I would, I was, I would say we would dedicate in the future an episode to discussing this. Stuff. Totally. I'm seeing the first one on eBay for like 25 bucks or whatever. Well, and if you want to try to get these books, Kate, yeah, I'll share the cost with you. Set it on mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> you all heard it. Dave owes me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm not really excited because I do. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I love film. So a book that's analyzing a, a filmmaker's approach is going to be up my alley anyway. I would love to check these out. And I think it's a great, a super great um, suggestion. And recommendation for us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Dan, thank you. And he ends his email by saying, keep up the great work, Dan, slash sci-fi, underscore models, underscore and, underscore stuff. Check out his great work. Hell yeah. I, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to say it right now on the mic, just so that, you know, a little teaser excitement for the future of the podcast. This season is definitely going to end on us discussing Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. That's going to be like our... Uh, our uh, finale episode for the season. So this sort of just falls right into that, which is fun. I mean, I personally think uh, it without going into it, it's a, it's a solid movie. It's visually pretty great. So I'm excited to talk, talk about it with there's some, a Hellboy two art of the movie book as well. Yeah. There's two of them. We got to get it. I mean, if we can get both of them, Kate, I'll, you know, I'll share the cost with, I'm throwing them in the cart. <laughs> 
I'm fucking shopping on the pod. Oh, my God. Your fiance leaves the house and you're purchasing. <laughs> She's like, what is all this dumb shit you keep buying? She's never said that. Not yet. Keep a, uh, listeners, keep a, your ear out um, on our on our um, uh, on the show as well as our social media because we have two special guests that will be joining us for that uh, Golden Army uh, episode. Um, promoting more episodes on here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Thank you again, Dan, for a great email and a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely check those out. That leads us right in because if you're purchasing these for us, Kate, that leads us right into our next segment, which is Hell to Pay. Cha-ching. Oh, this cash register is <laughs> Our first thing that we're going to discuss real quick in this segment. Yeah, this Hell to Pay comes from Multiversity Comics. Uh, multi, uh, excuse me, Mignolaversity Hellboy Universe. The Secret History is Omnibus coming in June 2021. Yeah. It looks fucking cool. It's got this great cover with like, just kind of an all-encompassing bunch of Hellboy lore. It's really, really cool looking. Some great Mignola art on the front. Yeah, some of this we haven't covered with us on the podcast and for you, Kate. Like, there's a main yeah. character front and center called Sledgehammer. It's a comic that people love. I personally have not read it yet at all. I just know of it. Um, that's in the Mignola verse, Sledgehammer 44. Ooh. Um, and then this article is by Mark Tweedell um, from multiversity and he covers all of the Mignola versity stuff and he points out that a lot of people have been looking for the sledgehammer 44 like collection which sounds like it's out of print and this will give them another chance to own it in this collection nice um and of course it, it covers a, a wide uh, range of things of like covering when did rasputin find his colony become to bring about ragnarok uh the visitor which with that, they cover like remember that those aliens that we briefly saw in Seed of Destruction. Yeah, there's a storyline that we'll eventually get to that sort of puts covers in the alien that we also saw in uh, Conqueror Worm. Cool, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll shed more light on that and etc. There's a lot of things that it's going to cover. Um, this is also what he shared um, on in this article is it was a statement that he took from uh, the superhero hype. Um, website which originally um, posted about this and had the announcement of it but this is from the editor Katie O'Brien she says these stories provide new insight into some fan favorite characters from the Hellboy universe as a reader there's a real joy in discovering those lost tales not only because we better understand the timeline for the Hellboy universe but because we also get a fascinating new perspective into these characters and their motivations I think it's cool. I mean, if you're, if you're, especially if you're a completist in your collection, yeah. um, this is definitely going to be something, you know, you should get. And I think, I think you're right. That, that Mignola cover is really solid, really fun and dynamic and energetic. I like how, like, there's that big, the dragon, dragon image that's yeah. on, um, there's one, of course, on Rasputin's chest, but then there's the, the red one that's behind him. <laughs> I think that's cool. So cool. And I, there's a lot in there. I don't I, I don't want to discuss too much about those stories because I know a little bit, and but I don't want to spoil anything for you, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that'll be something that we'll probably explore in the future, which will be a lot of fun. I mean, I say maybe, but we will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how much was it, by the way? 
Um, I think it's thirty nine ninety. It's like almost forty bucks, basically. Classic omnibus. I wonder. I mean, it's probably going to be a, a a soft back omnibus like those new collections. Is what I'm assuming. It won't be like uh, the library edition. So. Yeah. But that's okay. So yeah, everybody, go out get that if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> I think this next thing I uh, I want to discuss is really silly. It comes from Sci-Fi Wire. The article that this was included was was literally headline was for the obsessive collector in your life. So I put this in here because I think, heck, if you got a big BPRD fan or Hellboy fan out there that you know, you're thinking of something that you want and to give them for Christmas or for the holidays, whatever you know, Hanukkah, whatever you gotta give them a gift. <laughs> for, uh, this thing would be perfect. What this is from Dark Horse. Is a BPRD neon sign. <laughs> it's uh, 13 inches tall, 9.25 uh, inches wide, and it, it plugs in, but it's just the BPRD symbol that, you know, that glows red. <laughs> it's $89.99. <laughs> <laughs> if I had like a fucking like tiki bar or something, you know, like if I had a house and a bar in that i would consider it i'm not at the place in my life where i could justify this sign just yet that's so funny that'll be my goal i have the you got me the hellboy tiki mug hell yeah now you need so i gotta yeah i really gotta complete the whole collection and have (laughs) bprd neon sign i wonder if there is somebody out there Right now that has a home and like, I know they like people have like, like, uh, display cases that are dedicated to all their Hellboy stuff. Yeah. But I wonder if somebody has a a home bar right now that is decked out to make it look like it's a BPRD bar. Like, like it's all just like with these neon signs, the Tiki, but it's all just BPRD and Hellboy themed bar at home. Wonder if it exists. Somebody must. If you do, let us know. <laughs> this is pretty cheap for a neon sign, uh, according to eBay prices. Of <laughs> just Googling neon sign. It's like, uh, I guess it's like in the middle. I've never purchased a neon sign. A, a neon sign is not my thing to have at home. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be purchasing this anyway. If I had a fucking sweet ass bar in my house, <laughs> you can bet your little bottom dollar that I would have a cool neon sign in there. <laughs> Probably have like a, you know, like a some beer related thing. Hell yeah. A lot of them are, you know, or or I'm seeing a lot of like Nintendo and PlayStation. Like I guess like GameStops maybe had these things inside of them. Ooh, a Spuds McKenzie Bud Light neon sign for 120 bucks. <laughs> You really on the? I just put. I'm you about on the, to, the to go hole. broke here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bunch of stupid shit! I sent you to purchase two books for us for the podcast, and you came back with ten neon signs. <laughs> Look, marijuana personalized weed cave LED neon light sign game room man garage. For only thirty seven eighty eight, you can have this customized to say Mark David Christensen weed cave, weed and it has like little. <laughs> Pot leaves all over it. You know me, and I got my weed cave. You got your weed cave. You got to have a neon sign to just tell everyone else what it is. <laughs> what kind of cave is this? Oh, and I just <laughs> point to the sign. 
Yeah, I've never needed a sign to know that I was in someone's weed cave. <laughs> I can smell the stale weed inside your fucking cave. <laughs> that you have, instead of curtains, you have like a bed sheet. I guess in California, it's more like we, oh, somebody's weed cave could be nice. True. Very true. Instead of just a hole in your parents' house. <laughs> this is what I'm imagining Matt's weed cave looks like. All right, well, sorry. I'm, no, I'm fine. I love it. <laughs> uh, everybody needs one. So, Tangent. hey, for you out there looking for something for your Hellboy, your Hellboy fan at home, you got a neon sign you can purchase them for, for the holidays. And or you can pre-order uh, that omnibus, which will be coming out on June 2nd, 2021. So, you know what I mean? Just print them yeah. out the cover on a piece of paper and tell them it will be here sometime next year. <laughs> so but those are two uh two cool things for all you out there if you're those big collectors i hope to see it in your display cases that is it hell for yeah hell to pay Woo! <laughs> uh we can now move on to the story we're going to be covering this week the mole i'm going to give it over to you kate to uh give us those credits and take us through this fun little story as i pull up my library edition which i haven't we haven't i have not looked at for a while since we've been digital lately Oh, yeah. Hoping I have room here in my small little desk. To... Do you have this little intro by Mignola in, the, in front of it? I can read that if you don't. Yeah, go ahead and read it. Yeah. Some years back during a routine checkup, my doctor noticed a mole on my foot and said in classic doctor fashion, you should have that looked at. I plotted this story on the subway ride home. This takes place shortly before the beginning of Darkness Calls. Uh, at the start of... That book, Hellboy is staying at Harry Middleton's place, but I originally wrote Harry as a living person. Only the epilogue to that book, tacked on much later, reveals that Harry actually died years earlier and is a ghost. If I remember correctly, it was plotting this story that made me change Harry from a living person to a ghost. It's just cooler to see Hellboy play cards with ghosts. Thanks to Duncan Figredo for not only doing a great job drawing the story, but for pointing out that the players, being English, would be using matchsticks instead of poker chips. The Mole was published in 2008 as part of Hellboy Free Comic Book Day. Uh, yeah, which I wouldn't have known that about English poker playing, that they use matchsticks either. Same. When I uh, read that, I was like, oh, that's an interesting detail that I wouldn't have known. And I wonder if that's, I wonder if historically, like, did they ever, like, that's just what they played with? Like, I guess that's just what you have a lot of. That makes sense. You can use them. I feel like um, I associate that not, I guess, prisons when, I guess prisons, it was just like they did. Cigarettes is what I think of. with like yeah. Is, that's but I guess that's what you're, I mean, that's also like one flow over the cuckoo's nest. They use cigarettes too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't smoked a cigarette in a long time. I've never smoked a cigarette. Really? Ever in your whole life? No, I've only done, I've only smoked that's good. Uh, a joint, baby. Oh yeah, Cause they just like, cause puffed back, on you know, a joint a reminder, in my weed cave. Weed cave. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. This episode's brought to you, you by Weed Cave. By Weed Baby. <laughs> Go try it. <laughs> weed is like so boring. Everyone's like, "Yeah, we know." Shut up, you two. Just... <laughs> weed, the craziest thing you could do. Okay. Written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Duncan Figredo, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. Boo! Boo. 
Um, and it opens in England and it's exactly, you know, it's, it's just that it's Hellboy playing cards with these three ghosts who are apparently his longtime friends. They kind of say like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that. What he, he's like, read him and weep <laughs> full house Queens and sevens. Ooh, that's how I beat the vampire of Prague. We've heard that story. I think we've heard all your stories. So like they obviously get together and do this. With some level of frequency, they're hanging out, drinking and having fun um, with the ghosts. And then as Hellboy lays down his cards, one of the ghosts points and says, what's that? It's a mole. It's a great whopping monster is what that is, boy. (laughs) You should have that looked at. So like Hellboy's kind of feeling self-conscious. And then as he's kind of like grumbling, let's just play cards. All right. Like trying to ignore the mole. Um you see a shot of the room with the ghosts no longer visible. Like their cards are still there and the matchsticks are still there all laid out. Um, But the ghosts aren't there. So you're kind of left wondering like, is Hellboy what, like what level of like reality are we in right now? Like is Hellboy experiencing a dream? Is he just drunk off his ass or like what's going on? And then as we've seen him like interact with, figures that disappeared before. So we're like, yeah, to us, it's not unusual that he is like, Oh yeah. He's drank with all he's drank with ghosts before. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> right. It's like, it could be, it could be that, or it could be, you know, he's kind of imagining these things like going through a kind of a bender, like having kind of a hard time in this moment, but then he continues to like inspect the mole and it all, it almost looks like it's gotten bigger since he looked at it a second ago. And he's like sort of acknowledging that that is pretty damn ugly. And it looks like it's holy crap. And then it immediately starts to like <laughs> in, well, it becomes enormous. It It's disgusting. It rips out of the skin of his hand. And then this huge demon, it like transforms into this huge demon that continues to like walk out of Hellboy's skin, just ripping his fucking arm and hand open. It looks very painful. Hellboy's like screaming and crying in pain. And then once the demon is completely out, it turns to look at Hellboy, who is left with nothing but his skin. It's just <laughs> skin attached to the right hand of doom. The only thing that hasn't completely like deflated with this like demon who's emerged from Hellboy. Um, Hellboy still seems to be kind of like conscious a little bit, maybe. Or it's I, I don't know. It's like I, I can't quite tell. But it's what's left of Hellboy is just the scrap of skin that rips off of the right hand of doom and catches a breeze and flies right out the fucking window. The demon that emerged from Hellboy watches out the window as the Hellboy skin flies across the countryside. All of those cats notice it. Some people in the town look up to see it flapping by and the demon turns to see the right hand of doom is still left on the table. Uh, Like meanwhile, back at this, uh, like where the card game was happening. Hellboy's skin continues to fly over to like a church over a graveyard where it gets stuck on the weather vane Mm -hmm. on top of this building. Um, The demon picks up the right hand of doom and is inspecting it as the Hellboy skin flaps lifelessly on the weather vane. And then the demon, Anung Es, Anung Emesh, Anung Unrama, and is like, that seems bad. And then Hellboy suddenly wakes up. He like comes to like back to consciousness. 
takes he's just like, oh, geez, like rubbing his head like he's had a bad dream. Looks at his hand. No mole. Takes a shot of liquor. Uh, liquor's all gone. Grabs another bottle. And he says to himself, just a dream. And we see at the end as he's at um, he's at Harry Middleton's house drinking by himself, essentially. Um, yeah. So kind of just a, a cool little story that kind of, I think Mignola's intro gives us a little bit more insight on, you know, seeing <laughs> the author himself having the same like mole problem and kind of being betrayed by I, I like this idea of like it's a very it's a very human metaphor for a lot of the shit that Hellboy goes through because any one of us could have health problems where it feels like your body betrays you and it's like wow I have a fucking malignant mole on my body like that could happen to any person or to any member of your family or something I feel like that's such a common theme just like a fucking medical problem coming up and becoming a huge problem something you never expected and Hellboy also has this this potential to bring about the end of the world so, you know, I think it's like a kind of a, I mean, fun's not the right word, but I think it's a, an interesting thing to have him dream about this, like this mole, this like little thing that is super common that anybody could get, but is still very scary, kind of immediately turning into a huge problem, like transforming him into a, the demon that would use this right hand of doom and this like skin flying away, this like whatever thin remnant of himself that he has created in spite of everybody telling him that he is like the key to Armageddon. Like this thing that he's built up and tried to maintain for so long just flaps away in the wind and is like meaningless and powerless. And he's without his right hand of doom that's like left on the table. And it's like outside of his power. He can't yeah. like he's kind of worried like some either me or somebody close to like some some other demon might use this thing in a way or human might use this thing in a way to end the world it's pretty fucking scary yeah i i agree and i think that's what's so what i love about this is how quiet or silent there's very little dialogue yeah that's representing that it's yeah. that internal turmoil which we know about with Hellboy, but it's fun to see it in such a very blunt, a blunt, visually blunt representation. In a sense, I, I I take away like this this demon coming out of the mole. It's like a representation of his, like even though he doesn't have the right hand of doom on him when he comes out of that mole, it feels like a representation of Hellboy as if he had been raised in hell. If like he, yeah. like well, that's what I I picture. He possibly. I'm not. I'm not saying it's exact, like, but it feels like it's him. It's like a grown up version of him. Is of like, oh, this is if I was a full, full on demon that existed in hell, and I was, and I didn't, I didn't have the life I lived. Yeah, I think that that his fear is that that potential does live inside of him. That yeah. he could still at some point end up using this right hand of doom, and that like what. He's created his own personality, his own life. It becomes meaningless and he's still destined to bring about Ragnarok and that whole his humanity, his like skin just blows away like a fucking leaf and becomes nothing and just dies. Yeah. Interesting, I guess, too, to put it on his other hand. Like, uh, I wonder what the choice I guess like his hand is like readily visible what do you mean his other hand? Sorry. I guess so like I guess I, I don't know how to articulate this thought, 
But visually, I think to have his right hand of doom, which is kind of this other, it's like his source of power, but it's also this thing that worries him, that gives him this concern. Like it's what gives him the capability to be this huge uh, element for destruction. And then to have on his left hand, this other, this like other physical representation of like something that could kill you and the whole world, you know, like I, I, I think, you know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's interesting to have it be the other hand, but I can't, you know, I can't quite say why. No, I get what you're saying, which is interesting. You pointed that out, Kate. It makes me think that like, it's interesting that this, the right hand of doom is this, is this key in a sense or a bigger threat yeah. to Ragnarok in the end of the world. Right. So it's a threat for the, as a whole. But what really is a, it's not necessarily a threat to Hellboy besides it being him being part of the world, right? But he would survive it technically, right? He wouldn't. Yeah. But his biggest threat is actually internal. So it's interesting that I think you're right. Is that his biggest threat is coming from on himself, on his other hand, which isn't the, the thing that everybody talks about or the thing that worries him of like, what is this big hand? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, oh no, it's, uh, you take away the hand, I'm still a threat. It's just an interesting thing. It's cool. Yeah. It's, comple- it's complex in its simplicity too. It, it just has a lot of depth. Exactly, even yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's like pretty straightforward, but also just all the decisions made, I think were really interesting. And I mean, Dave Stewart, as usual, crushes it. I love the like purpley red kind of demon that emerges from Hellboy. Yeah, I specifically think Stuart does so such a great job of representation because if I, I'm going to lean on that, I think there's three representations of Hellboy here. The first is the Hellboy we know in that bright red. Yeah, the the demon that walks out like yeah, you're like he has that purpley sort of blackish burnt like it's just it does feel more close to the demons we've met. And or the visions we've seen of hell, he seems to color wise mesh more. And the color that. of this mold too, I think. Like, I think you know, it's like this malignant kind of color. This like it's like slightly darker than Hellboy's skin. It's like just something. It it just feels like this like purpley kind of bruise color. Yeah, it feels sick, sickly. Yeah, and then and then of course I love how Stuart that when the skin breaks away and flies it goes into that very that just pinkish hue of a red that's just void of all of its life it's right cool yeah it's like a desaturated kind of a color like a lot you know a lot it's like literally blowing in the wind with these leaves it's really cool yeah the choice and i really like his his coloring on uh this the blue he uses for the three ghosts yeah it's such a cool it's not expected really because we're so used to like whites representing ghosts, but that blue is like, it gives them mass. It makes me go like, yeah, they're ghosts, but they have like, they can touch things. and they Yeah, have they feel like, more, yeah, they can like move the cards and they feel more solid. Um, any favorites? Because I have at least three that I'm like, these are I know. I, just killing I like the, sh- I like this small panel of Hellboy's just uh, kind of wrinkled hand. I think it's great just a just a cool looking hand it's also like a little demonic it reminds me of like the like baphomet statue that has the like hands where it's like two fingers pointing pointing down and two fingers pointing up it's like 
kind of makes me think of that. It's also just a cool position for the hand to be in. I think it just looks anatomy wise. It looks cool. I probably like that. And I like this uh, demon crawl, like ripping his whole hand open, like in the panel where he's like, oh, I think it just looks like nasty and feels like a good representation of when something when you have a health issue and it's like, wow, I can't take this thing out of my butt. Like this thing could like destroy me or whatever. Like if or if you've had a family member who has had like some kind of health issue like that, I feel like it's a it's a very, you know, I think like mentally this is kind of like what something like that feels like. Yeah. I'm Invasive and intrusive. It's like and it's just fucking you up. So I think I like that a lot, too. I mean, but they're all really, truly every panel is so cool looking. Yeah. I mean, Pedrado just stellar. I'm so excited to get to his uh, his run of Hellboy. Yeah. Like you're, the continuation of his stuff is my favorite. Yeah. Um, some of my favorite. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I love I love the little progression it's of like when he's like son of a and then the 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 whole or the mold so bulging and then it pops and then yeah that panel of him emerging which you already said is absolutely one of my favorites here and it, it's like it's like this internal part of him and sort of is almost also representation it's like it's almost cancerous right right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and then i i really really absolutely love the the panel where the new demon that has emerged is holding the right hand of doom mhm um I love all the little details in there. I think the image itself is just great, but the coloring along with the images are coming out because there's flames behind him as if the, the, the Aragonach is almost starting those flames. But then I love the the subtle light that Stuart has gotten has put onto the demon. It's, he starts to get a little more reddish hue on him from that, those flames. Yeah, light. he's like lit from beneath and like these cool shadows on the top just look great. I just it's it's just solid work and I agree. Like every panel you're like, "Oh, I could go through this and just talk about how what the why why even a panel as you said like of a hand is right. is solid Stands work." Stands out to you so much, yeah. <laughs> like even his expression of waking up from the dream is so perfect. <laughs> and and even like him getting a new bottle, it's one shot that informs me of him opening a, uh, an old cabinet and grabbing a new bottle. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's one little panel and it's so, there's such great detail in there. Oh, even his pouring that has detail. It's just sad. You feel bad for Hellboy too. He's like stuck in this room really by himself. Even if he is talking to these ghosts on occasion, you just get the impression that he's just drinking himself silly and like not dealing with his fear. Obviously, like his fear that he's about to be the fucking catalyst for the end of the world. You are right about that. It is definitely a cool setup for like, like that mole is sort of like, it's a cool because they make it. This originally was, of course, this comic, this free comic book day. But then they, when they reshuffle it, especially in the library edition, they make it the prologue into Darkness Calls, which we've already covered. But it is like a perfect kind of prologue that it's. It's like he can't get away from this. He left BPRD. Yeah. He's explored the world, but it's like this: what you are is not going to go away, and it will. Sh- yeah, you can go off and dr- it's yeah, it's like going and you know getting drunk off your ass for a couple of months isn't going to solve your problems. It's it's like running. Yeah, it's not confronting your problem. 
Which is also a very human. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the delightful thing about Hellboy is he's a demon who essentially you could argue that he would have an easier life if he'd just give in to his demonic side. I think so, yeah. But real that's really the thing. It's like his nature. It's like the same kind of thing. I was reading this, um, it's like this little teeny book about writing TV pilots. Uh, let me see who it's by. Writing the Pilot by William Rabkin. And in it, he was kind of talking about like why Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like why the pilot and why the like premise is so fucking good. Because you can kind of make episodes indefinitely. Because the character, what the character wants and like what the character's fate kind of are are in conflict with each other so you have this character conflict forever you can do that story you can like Buffy wants to be a regular normal teenager but she's the chosen one so she has to fight vampires so you could just continue to do that forever because she'll she'll always want to be that one thing and she'll always have to do this other thing and that's the same exact thing with Hellboy really if you like boil it down Hellboy wants to be human and wants to help earth and help like the people who showed him compassion like um like his dad and the bprd but he is like fated or destined or created summoned to the world to be the its end and to be this tool for uh you know the dragon so it's like he's gonna have to like he has that conflict forever so yeah it's 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 cool Anyway, I, I sorry, I, I don't know. You. It just came to mind like that to go on a bit of a tangent there. No, I don't think that's a tangent. I think that's a solid um, connection. Not every character needs to be that. It's just like a good character. It's like it's to have your the characters want like the characters motivation and what they want be in conflict with who they are and who they're like perceived to be by the rest of the world or by the BPRD or by demons or whatever, like who, some outside entity to have those things be at odds is just a good well of stories for, for whatever you could put this character in any context and you know that that's still the case. Totally. So you could do it for eight seasons or for 25 years of comic books or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You were right about that. You could do it for a long time. Just something to think about, I guess, if you're writing your own character or something. For sure. That's solid. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. That's a great tip for everybody out there. That's yeah. <laughs> writing their own stories or anybody that's That's like a good attempting. little book, too. It's like a pamphlet. It's like not very, it's a like hundred pages, maybe, and it's like tiny. Share it with me and what's the name of it again? Yeah. Uh, writing the Pilot by, I already closed it. Yeah. Writing the Pilot by William Rabkin. Great. Check it out, listeners. And yeah, I mean, I honestly could stay on for another hour and just walk through every panel with you and talk about how great Duncan Fredo and Dave it's, Stewart He's are. so good. He's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, we we can't do that. <laughs> I mean, we can, but... We can and we have. People would zone out. <laughs> right. I, I don't have any... I'm thinking I'm just going to skip over the suggestion segment. I don't have anything solid right now. You. No, because the only thing I've been doing is playing Ghost of Tsushima for the PS4. Oh, cool. Don't know what that is. It's really good. A guy who was on my sketch team at UCB, um, Fyodor Chin, was played a couple of voices. And he he's also... Yeah. Oh, he, he does so much voice acting. He's um his biggest like voice acting 
is for ah oh, fuck. What's that other game called? He's like um, Zenyatta. He's the character Zenyatta on Overwatch, who's like a Zen floating yeah. robot or something. He's tra- <laughs> I, I know, I know uh, Fyodor as well. He's traveled a lot because of that game. Like gone he, to I mean, yeah, he's gone stuff. to like a bunch of cons and stuff. If you go to his house, he has like a cereal with his character on it and like all kinds, you know, so just like little all kinds of Overwatch stuff like merch. And he's pro- one, like li- literally like top five nicest people I've ever met is like such a generous kind of person who like never, you know, he's got a ton of success with his voice acting stuff. He could like. You know, I some people success turns them into dicks, and this did the opposite to Fio. He'd like, I I've only known him for a couple of years now, but he's like so nice. He is sorry good. to go. I love it. <laughs> I, I just I'm, miss I'm a all fan those guys. Too. You know, miss yeah, doing comedy. I actually, as you were talking, I was like, I have one suggestion. It's specifically de- um, inspired by the fact that Hellboy is playing cards with ghosts. Yeah, we've seen him interact with ghosts. Um. This is a, a Japanese movie from 1953 that I absolutely love. The director's name is Kenji uh, Misoguchi. It's called Ugetsu, U-G-E-T-S-U. And I, it's a ghost story that's very haunting and perfect, and I love it. I remember seeing it. It looks cool. Film school for the first time. I was blown away, and then I got the Criterion ver- Collection like DVD of it. Um, it's. I don't want to spoil anything. It's just like... I, it's like a perfect kind of ghost story. Like, I just got Canopy with my library card. I think yeah, they're. I think they have there. the Criterion Collection on there. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but everybody, I think it's a great um, international film to check out. And it, it looks awesome. Should be like a ghost, a good ghost story. Yeah. Ooh. Um, very haunting. But that's that's what I'm going to suggest. Um, inspired by this work, and then we want to hear from you, listeners. That's the thing. Yeah. We want to hear your thoughts on the mole, um, your thoughts on Duncan and Dave Stewart's work and Mignola here. This we want to hear what your interpretations, if anything, is on on uh, in agreement with us. Anything that we missed, maybe, in in the uh, like symbolism of this issue, um, and you know the internal turmoil that Hellboy faces on a day to day basis. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them, and you can share those with us at. Uh, by emailing us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, as well as you can follow us on social media, that's Twitter, ahcraphellboy, Instagram, ahcraphellboypodcast. Um, we appreciate you direct messaging us, commenting. We'll respond to those. Just be aware if you do want your thoughts shared on the show, you uh, do send us an email. That just makes things easier for us. So email us again at podcast at gmail.com and then please along with sharing any of your thoughts on any episode this one in the future or the past give us a review yeah it's a good way to like get more listeners to us is this, if you're on your platform that you listen to us if it allows you give us a review um, rate us but if you do go out of your way to go on to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review and that review starts with the word boom that can be in the subject, that can be in the, just, you know, whatever you say in the actual review. But if it has the word boom at the beginning, we will read your review right here on the show, praise you, you know, just lift you up, wish your life to be 
the best possible. Yeah. And but we call those boom reviews. So please give us a boom review. That will help the show as well going forward. That's it for this episode of The Mole. Woo! Great, beautiful issue that we got to cover and what is good stuff in general. Um, I would suggest, though, to listeners, if you are reading Ever the Darkness Calls for the first time, just tack this on. Read it how it is collected now. Read this as the prologue. Good stuff. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Um, we're winding down on this season. The next episodes coming up, we'll be covering the ectoplasmic man um, that will be the final um, episode, not of the season, but the final episode that covers an actual printed issue. So we're winding down uh, for the season. So keep listening. Um, you know, we do the show for you as much as we do it for us. Um, I don't have anything else to say other than thank you for listening. And, yeah, and we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect ending. of mad coming for the marketing because i'm gonna have to edit this shit out <laughs> oh am i in the edit stage what why won't my link open mine opened right up well thanks for gloating <laughs> sucker do you like comic books do you like brothers do you like brothers talking about comic books then this is the podcast for you screw it we're just going to talk about comics will hines and kevin hines performers from the upright citizen brigade theater and actual brothers talk about actual comic books they love like spider-man the fantastic four and many more if you prefer your podcast to be about fictional people talking about fictional books this isn't it but otherwise screw it we're just going to talk about comics from campfire media campfire